Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. And I'm very happy to say that today is on this episode with us. Hello, hello, hello. I'm very happy to be here. Hello, my love. I'm glad you're here. Yes. How have you been? Uh, I've been good. Just, I mean, I'm sober. I'm trying to be sober with marijuana because of a CHS fit. Uh, we'll talk about that probably a little later, but I'm doing a lot better after that. My head feels a lot clearer. I'm looking for jobs. I applied to LAUSD. That's Jan's work. So I might possibly work with her at one point. And yeah, just uh, things are looking up. Yes, I'm very glad. Uh, last week, you were super duper sick with CHS cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. We have a whole episode about that. And whew, glad you recovered from that. And the only cure for CHS is to never, ever, ever use cannabis again. Yes, because my organs can shut down. Yeah, it's really, really serious. Yeah. And it's so sick. Like he was so I wasn't like sick. in reality. It was like I was no longer in my body. Yeah, it was bad. They say women who've had this, who have also given birth, say CHS is worse than childbirth. The pain of the stomach cramps. So I'm very glad you're feeling so much better. Yeah. And you're clearer and you're more present. And I just am very excited for you. And you've gotten more work done in the last week than you've done probably in the last three years. Yes. <laughs> as far as like... Pursuing jobs and you got your ID and you, yeah. you're oh, really I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm, making stuff happen. Yeah, it's the forward momentum. Yes, forward motion. I love it. It's so, so, so good. And Joey has a friend here today as our guest. Would you like to introduce our guest today? Yes, Cheyenne. She is actually a close friend of mine through my fiance, Sonia, who I recently got to know, but we have a really cool connection that we're both adopted and we know that it's a trauma for both of us. And now she is going to tell her story and how it affected her adoption and how she's living on with it and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love highlighting you guys' voices, teens and young adults, kids that are having struggles and kids who are working through stuff. It helps other kids know that it's possible to work through stuff and it helps families and parents give them hope and give them tools for how to help their kids. So thank you, Cheyenne, for being here and welcome to Safe Home. Thank you for having me. Very yeah. excited. Yeah, good, good. And I know you and Joy have connected because you're both adopted mm -hmm. and there's a few other things that you guys have in common. You both have adopted parents that got divorced yeah. after yes. they adopted you. <laughs> And you also both have really worked hard through many different types of therapy and treatment programs and personal growth of your own making. Mm -hmm. And so I want to definitely get to that part of it. But first, I think you need to tell your story, whatever parts of it you're willing to share. So why don't we start from the very beginning? Where were you born? I was born in Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> and um, so how was that with your parents at the very beginning? I mean, it was a little chaotic. I was just a baby, so I don't really fully remember. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I've been told about my early, early childhood is kind of hearsay. It's not really like this for sure happened or not. But my birth parents are really bad on drugs. And it just wasn't going to be a safe environment with me. And my birth dad isn't the best person in the world. So my mom just decided to take me to California and 
try and start a better life for me. Okay. And have me live with her dad. Okay. So with her dad and his wife. Yes. Right. Which wasn't your birth grandma, but a step grandma. Yeah. My step grandmother. Yes. Okay. So you went and lived with your grandma and grandpa. Did you call them grandma and grandpa or did you call them mom and dad? Uh, I called them mom and dad. Yeah. Because you were yeah. so little. You had no idea. That's like, like I knew I had a mom because like, like my birth mom left me when I was three. So I have memory of that. So I remember her, but besides that, like, no. Okay. So you just called them mom and dad. Okay. And how did that go? Probably worse than imagined, but, <laughs> you know, it just wasn't a peaceful household. <laughs> three years old, just chilling, minding my own business. And one moment there could be cops at the door. Next moment there could be, you know, someone telling us to get out of the house. Like, you never knew what was going to pop up one day or the other. Your life seemed to be like always on edge. Like mm-hmm. you didn't know what the next happenings were. You even mentioned that to me, like that's one of your problems. You just sometimes don't know what's happening mm-hmm. and that kind of freaks you out. Yeah. Because that's probably a trauma you had in the past of not knowing if danger is going to be or if something very chaotic is going to happen. So you just always want to know what's happening because... Mm-hmm. It's a trauma. Became very yeah. vigilant, right? Very, very yeah. vigilant. So why were cops coming to your house? What was going on at your house? So much drugs. Like, okay. So much drugs. There were homeless people in and out of the house all hours of the day. No matter, it could be 4.30 in the morning and there could be some homeless guy at the door like, hey, let me in. Oh, like, wow. So... It was either for them or for my grandfather because he always had warrants. He always had people looking for him. It was. And then like one day I was just chilling on the couch. And then, you know, I had the whole entire police department like knock down my front door (laughs) for a raid and handcuffs everyone. Mm. Like 30 people that were in the house and then didn't really care that there was a three-year-old child just sitting there like uh, in complete shock just not knowing what's going on yeah. yeah it was the this is where cps and the government should have helped this child you yeah <laughs> like but no it took like you're gonna tell your story but it took a little bit more time for them to realize that oh this child needs help yeah were yeah. you the only child in the house yeah that's like so you were the only child your grandparents were taking care of there weren't mm-hmm. any other little kids no and the cops came in and arrested these 30 people and just said oh well there's a kid oh well fine mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then they didn't necessarily like mock me per se or anything like that but like you know as a three-year-old child not knowing what's going on i looked up to my grandfather like he was my dad sure. yes that's what i was taught that's what i thought mm-hmm. so Seeing him being arrested, like, in front of my eyes was very traumatic mm-hmm, as a young kid. And then the cops just kind of looked at me and was like, oh, do you want to give your dad a hug? And I'm like, yeah, like, I'll I'll give him a hug. Not putting two and two together that he's still handcuffed. Uh, not putting two and two together. Oh, they're not going to, like, uncuff uh, him. Like, I'm just going to hug this, like, kind of lifeless. The legs. Yeah. <laughs> this, like, lifeless body of someone who's just going to walk out the door. The, the police shouldn't have done that. That, that was yeah. a very rude thing to do. I, I bet they meant it in a good way. Mm-hmm. by like give your guardian the last goodbye kind of thing. But that was kind of messed up because like yeah. he can't even hug you back. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just feel so bad. I want to scoop you up and just give you a big hug for that. Oh, yo, yo. Your poor little three-year-old self was just probably so distraught and didn't know what was going on and just felt your world was being taken away from you. But they didn't take your grandmother in that raid, right? No. Okay. Okay. So he went off to jail. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And your grandmother took care of you mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did that how did that go when your grandfather was kind of out of the picture? Was it a little more calm or? No, mm. no, no. What happened? Business still has to go on. Oh, okay. <laughs> like even gotcha. Even if the main dealer, the main person isn't there, it's okay. money. It's their income. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. People have to get their jobs done. Yeah. Okay. So there's still people in and out. There's yeah. still nefarious things happening in your yeah. house, and you're still just a little kid trying to survive. Mm-hmm. How did you do in school? Awful. Okay. Awful. I bet your attendance was not very good and your presence no. of mind, you were just You are probably thinking about other things. Yeah. Like I, w- I would be at school, but I don't remember really being at school. Yeah. yeah. You kind of remember the recess. Like, yeah, you remember recesses, like, but not Recesses school. were like the best time for yeah. me. Yeah. Because but you then, get to hang out. And stuff. Yeah. Like just hanging out with kids my age uh-huh. and then, but then also hanging out with kids my age also gave me a little bit of a reality check from a very, very young age. Like- yeah you know, this isn't normal, you okay. know? Yeah, like you saw what quote unquote normal kids' lives were mm-hmm. and then you see your life compared. You're like, I'm different mm-hmm. or they're different. So then it makes you really confused. Like mm-hmm. what's wrong with me or something like that? Or what's wrong with my family? That's that's another self-degradation that happens when you're traumatized like that. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. I've realized. Yeah, yeah, a lot of kids will blame themselves. Oh, there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. Even though there was nothing wrong with you, there nothing you had nothing to do with any of it. You were just mm-hmm. kind of a, a victim of the whole situation. But yeah. Oh, did any teachers or counselors at school reach out to you and help you at all? Yeah, I had one teacher towards the end of me living with my grandparents. My attendance at school was non-existent. I never went, mm-hmm. and the school started to notice. Normally, like I would get interviewed by CPS, and then would tell my grandparents and then we would run and then just this continuous cycle Mm -hmm. over and over again. So the schools never really paid that much attention to me because whenever I'd be taken out of school, I wasn't put directly back into school. Yeah. You were no longer their problem anymore. And they just went on. So the, the, they kept uprooting you to avoid CPS, which is child protective services for those of you that don't live in the area. And uh, so they would just, Pick you up and move you. To avoid. Start as in, all like, over. They were doing illegal things to avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Government and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when did all that catch up and when did you get moved from your grandma's? That all got stopped in March of 2012. Okay. Yeah. And how old were you then? Eight and a half. About to turn nine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oof. Still so young. And then where did you go then? From there, I lived with my aunt. Okay. My step-grandmother's daughter. Did that give you a little bit more stable place to live? No. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> no, it was very chaotic oh. there, too. <laughs> For the same kind of reasons? Not necessarily, like, the same reasons, but, like, family-wise, like, because I'm still in that drama. Oh, full of, of fighting and... Yeah. Oh. But it wasn't like your aunt was doing drugs and like no. illicit like, things. She was just like in- involved with the family. So she argued against that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. 
So a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling, a lot yeah. of chaos, a mm. lot of a lot of fighting, animosity. Mm. Was it a lot of violence? Were you scared yeah. for your safety? There wasn't necessarily violence in my aunt's house, but definitely in my grandparents' house, there was a lot yeah. of violence. Oh gosh, yeah. Did it get to you sometimes too? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Cheyenne, for that. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh gosh. Okay, so your aunt took you, and mm. how long did that last? About. Eight to nine months. Okay. Yeah. Was she meaning to take you forever and it didn't work out? Or was it just kind of an interim, this is what we'll do for now situation? It was kind of a little bit of both. It was like, okay, like, obviously I don't want this child to go to a complete stranger. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't think that it's going to be the best option Mm. for her to stay here. So we'll kind of, we'll we'll take her in now, but if things don't get Work better um, yeah oh, okay that you know sense. it's best for you know the protection of her family and you know all mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's just best if i'm not there yeah, yeah yeah okay so it became clear that it wasn't gonna be a long-term solution things were too chaotic and too kind of mm-hmm. unsafe for you so then were you in the foster care system at this point yes okay so your your aunt was in kind of the cps realm and they were kind of placing you with your aunt mm-hmm. And then that didn't exactly work out. So then they started looking for another placement. They didn't. So basically, I stayed with my aunt the whole time through my foster care experience. But they were going to have me stay with them until I got adopted. But during that time, they're like, no, like we can't adopt you, but you can stay with us. Oh, oh, your aunt said we can't adopt you, but you can stay with us. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then that's when they started finding people for to adopt me okay then they had to start finding you a match how did they do that they had me go to a little picnic (laughs) (laughs) a picnic yeah and did you know this was going to find your adoptive parents or no i just thought it was like a bunch of you know foster care kids coming together to hang out and socialize (laughs) just a fun little picnic for you a fun little picnic to pick out your kid that you want to it's like a puppy. <laughs> you wanna... It's like a shelter. Yeah, like <laughs> going to the pound and picking out the puppy that you want. Yes. Oh, oh, how does that make you feel? Did it make you feel like, oh, good, they're coming to pick me? Or did it feel like, oh, this is a contest? And it was kind of surreal because I'm like, it's kind of in a way not the most like humanizing experience. No, I bet. I yeah. would say, you know, mm. oh, let's go to a park and just pick what, you know, which person mm-hmm. seems the best? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it seems so messed up. Mm-hmm. But then the situations of every single kid is messed up. Yeah. As it so is. It, like this messed up is way better than messed up yeah. in the other way. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to think of how it would be a good way. I mean, yeah, they well, tried to make it nice with the picnic, but yeah. still it's sort of. Maybe a one-on-one, but I, I like not a whole like group of kids where like the parents have to pick from a bunch of kids oh mm-hmm. and was it just the parents picking you or did you have a chance to pick the parents was it reciprocal yeah i had a chance to pick my parents okay mm-hmm. okay so I, it goes both ways at least it's not yeah. just you had no choice if the parents liked you you're going with them so yeah i definitely okay. i had like a not like a huge choice in it but definitely they gave me more of a choice okay than i think they were supposed to mm-hmm. oh okay but Okay, and so then you eventually, I'm sure it took a while, but you eventually got adopted by this other family? Yes. And did they have kids too? or No, just me. Just you, okay. Mm -hmm. So you're still an only child? Still an only child. And how did that work out? How were your adoptive parents? Oh, no. I mean, they're divorced Uh now, or Uh they're they're still in the process of getting a divorce. Okay. But 
you know, it was good for about four years. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. It like, was like the honeymoon stage. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't the best. It wasn't, you know, what rainbows you, and butterflies. But it wasn't okay. what you had before. Yeah. It wasn't quite as chaotic as what you'd been before. But right. still, it was, was not quite right. Me and my dad got along like really, really well. Mm-hmm. We hit it off from the picnic, always mm-hmm. hit it off. Me and my mom had our issues. Mm-hmm. So that was always mm-hmm. the big issue that oh. was in it was like me and her just wouldn't get along mm. because I had so much of this like built up trauma that yeah. no one knows about that. Yeah. I don't even know that is Dang. trauma. Yeah. And I'm trying to like suppress it. And then I never had like a full mother figure in my life mm-hmm. and I have her and it's just kind of this push and pull. Yeah. It was very push and pull mm. for like four years. Speaking of, as an adoptive parent, I, from the reading I've done and from talking to many, many adoptive parents, the adoptive mom gets the brunt of, of the trauma response from the adoptee because mm-hmm. it's primarily your wound with your birth mother that yeah. is the problem, the root, root problem at the very, very beginning. So it's the adoptive mother that often gets the, the brunt of it. That just reminded me like, I had a very big resentment towards you, mom, but mm-hmm. it was a irrational resentment. It was a, re- a resentment towards my birth mom that I was placing onto you. Sure, because I was the one that was here. Yeah. And it also means that t- hopefully the adoptive mother is a safe person. And so kids act out against the safe person. Mm-hmm. They know that that we're not going to reject you or get rid of you. And so... In a way, that means your adoptive mom might have been a safe person. Mm -hmm. It's kind of backwards looking, but it's kind of complicated. But I also think mothers and daughters, that relationship is complicated. Yeah. Also, just (laughs) hormones and oh, good Lord. Everything in one. (laughs) Oh, so hard. It's just so hard to just, and people think, oh, adoption, yay. We just start all over and start fresh. Everyone thinks it's sunshine and rainbows, but no, it's it's more traumatizing for both parties. And a lot of people think. It's so hard. It's so hard. You can't just pretend that. You can exchange parents no, and nothing that, will happen. It's, because there's a bond. There's a yeah. connection, of, like a, a chemical connection mm-hmm. that I, I believe that is within humans. Sure. From kin to kin, like from mother to kin is like, you can't separate that. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't take that away. You can't just say, okay, here's another one. No. Bond you, with this one. It, there's no chemical connection with that, Mm-mm. those two humans, but... There can be an emotional connection. Yeah. And we do the best we can. And, oh, yeah. And we, you know, try to meet needs and whatever, but there's still missing that uh, that piece. And if you talk to adult adoptees, there's just this kind of hole. Yeah, that, that who haven't um, worked through their stuff. They, they're they very empty feeling. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like, or, or very angry people. Yeah, I can or be very angry. sad. It's like they're, they're very on one scale they're not ever really balanced so like me i get very agitated very quickly i'm a very angry person because i think it's a very deep wound of anger towards my mother and my birth parents and mm-hmm. stuff it's not you mom but like my mo- mm-hmm. my birth mother it's this resentment this anger that i never can really feel or never release because i i'm never going to be able to see her mm-hmm. i can never have that closure so i have to work through it myself to get that yeah. peace yeah mm-hmm. and most people that aren't adopted just have to deal with this part i mean you just you live life you live life as a normal person and you don't ever feel these emotions that i don't want to be i don't i'm not wanted Mm -hmm. like in like a very deep sense Mm -hmm. like you actually were given up Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing 
Yeah, there's yeah. there's an episode. Oh, I can't remember what number it is, but I'll put it in the show notes with Brenda. And she was about my age and she was adopted to a fabulous adoptive family, had a great life and always still feels like she's not worthy, mm-hmm. not good enough. You know, there's just this, this, uh, this not quite, not quite complete feeling. And she's done a lot of work and it's still kind of there. It's like just something that adoptive people continually have to deal with. And it's, it's just something really you hard. have to accept yeah, and have to accept with love. And like, maybe it was out of hate for some situations and it could, that's a horrible situation if that was to happen. But usually if you were adopted or given up for adoption, it was out of some sort of respect for you. Like you don't, yeah. I don't want yeah. you to have a bad life, please. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Shine, your birth mother tried to give you a better life with your grandparents it didn't work out the way maybe she thought but yeah but she tried and mm-hmm. you know and your aunt tried your grandma tried everybody's just doing the best they can i really truly everyone's believe that. human everyone yeah. it, it feel, like i i've realized this as a kid you think parents have the knowledge of the universe no <laughs> oh we just are making it up as we go along teenagers <laughs> and young adults are probably the exact same as a 45 year old because like in the idea of knowledge, not maybe like they have some more knowledge, but it's like they don't know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of conscientious growth work to yeah. come to terms with things like these big picture things. So, yeah. And then not everyone agrees. So you not one idea is going to be solid for everyone. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Everybody has to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. And grownups certainly don't know all the answers. That's for sure. <laughs> we don't always have it pulled together. Um, and poor kids are just dependent on us. <laughs> There's no manual to, no manual. to <laughs> raise the, you know, ideal perfect kid. Right. Yeah. And you mix in some of these other things, drugs and trauma. trauma. <laughs> and I'm sure if you looked back at your birth parents, your birth, your grandparents, all of these people probably had generations full it's of trauma. generational trauma. That's, yeah. that's the big thing yeah. is it, trauma yeah. is sometimes passed down yeah definitely Mm -hmm. so okay so we're at your adoptive family it's going okay you're doing okay with your dad not Mm -hmm. so much with your adoptive mom yeah and then four years later they got divorced and Mm -hmm. was that kind of a messy divorce and very messy very messy very messy it was like it was just situational events that just Everything was just going wrong very, very, very fast. And, like, I basically called their divorce before they knew. Mm. Oh, no. If you can feel that, then that's automatically me. Yeah, like, (laughs) I knew before my mom knew. Because you're so vigilant and always scoping out what's going on. Yeah, because I'm always just... Aware. Aware of everything. Mm -hmm. I was doing awful. Like, Mm -hmm. my mental health was the worst it had ever been. And right before they got divorced, my parents put me into a psychiatric hospital just because it was just the best idea. And I'm like, I went voluntarily. I'm like, you know, I need to get help. Were you having a lot of anxiety or suicidal ideation or what? Mood swings. Oh, okay. I couldn't Um, control my anger. Oh, okay. So like you were almost out of your body kind of. You didn't didn't have control. I was like dissociated 95% of my day. And I was acting out. I was violent. I was just not myself. And I'm like, I need to get help or else, you know, no one's going to get better. So I went into the hospital and then they're like, okay, we're going to put you in a residential like housing Uh thing. And they decided to do the short term one, which was 35 days at the max. Okay. Two weeks into my stay there, we had a family therapy session and my dad told me 
he's like, hey, me and your mom are, oh. are getting a divorce. Mm. And then I'm like, I know, like, oh. <laughs> which, which I, I, I didn't tell them that like right then and there, but like a few days later, I'm like, I know, like yeah. before I went into the hospital, I told the counselor, I'm like, how much you want to bet that they're going to get a divorce? Oh. Like, <laughs> so it was hard, but I'm glad I was in the residential when it happened, even though I kind yeah. of have a lot of mixed feelings about that, but it was better that it was done there and that I was yeah. in, you know, you had a supervision lot of, of people. Yeah. And 24-7, someone was watching you mm -hmm. and you had counselors everywhere. And yeah, that's not the best place to be, but it's a safe place to be. Yeah. yeah it's safe. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like that might not have been the last residential place you were at. Did you go to other ones or yeah. in and out? Or? That was the only residential that I was in, but I've been to a psychiatric hospital since. Okay. Then. Okay, and usually because you're kind of getting out of control, mm -hmm. or did you also have suicidal ideation or yeah. attempts or anything like that? Yeah. 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 Oh. I know a lot of kids are doing self-harm cutting and things like that. Did yeah, that? that was definitely like a big thing for me back mm -hmm. then. It was just, I I was not myself. Yeah. That was kind of, it was, it was my rock bottom. Yeah. I feel like just weirdly like, I, I want to know when that dark point was because it feels like I was in the exact same place at that time. Like at the same time you were, I was in my dark place. It feels like it's all kind of going in the same path mm. of my path, you know, mm -hmm. like I had adoption and then I had a divorce and I went into this rut of depression and anxiety. And then I got into drugs and then now I'm good because like mm. I, I figured things out. So it's like, there's a path that a lot of people yeah. follow. Yeah. It seems like it's very parallel to mine, you know? Did, yeah. Did you find that the psych hospitals and the different programs, were they helpful? Did they give you tools that you needed? Yeah. No? The only time that I've gone involuntary was the very first time I went to the hospital. Okay. But besides that, all the other times I've gone, I've been, I want to go to the hospital. Yeah. It was always me like, okay, it's time for me to go because oh, okay, I know my potential and I don't want to get into such a bad spot where I just completely dissociate mm -hmm. and just don't remember and or then hurt yourself hurt someone yeah else like i don't want to hurt myself in the middle mm -hmm. of a dissociation thing mm -hmm. and i'm like oh i'm and i'm in the hospital i'm like mm -hmm. no like i need to get help and yeah. work on myself because how am i gonna mm -hmm. help other people if i don't help myself no no that's a great way to use the hospital is that's what it's for is yeah for help what my experience was I got addicted to it. I got addicted to that sense of community, that sense of freedom in a, in a way of just having a bunch of kids running a place. <laughs> when you go for, to psych hospitals for that reason, that's, that's, that don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that becomes your escape yeah, from society. It is. It literally is an escape from society. You don't know what's happening outside. You have this own yeah. little community. Yeah. It's very comfortable, but it's not what you're supposed to be doing yeah joy kind of figured out how to say what to get me into yeah. um uh hospitals like we're that. not going to tell i'm not going to tell anyone what, how what the, <laughs> the truth serum is to get you into those things but okay. it is an escape for some people and i met people that strictly go there to get away from their parents just yeah. to get away from their parents yeah oh. then there's a lot of kids that refuse to go oh yeah, yeah they that. won't go to wilderness so they won't go to a hospital or whatever because they there's a stigma the, those kids there's a stigma in their oh. head that's what i've realized is that I, i'm not fucked up in the head i am okay, okay. i don't need to be with the loonies like oh, okay mm -hmm. but when you go into those psych hospitals we're not loony well, maybe 
one out of 20 people are really like, oh, like really just really like not, well, there. not there yeah joey had a roommate that peed in the corner and stuff yeah yeah so maybe there's a few like really kids that are really really not there like insane like truly yeah. insane but so would you encourage teens that are really really struggling that a psych hospital or a residential treatment center or wilderness oh, or whatever oh, yeah. they should I go would. Oh, I, yeah. I personally Let's would go. Go. yeah 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 it's honestly it's not as bad as people make it out to be, mm-hmm. if you find the right one, if you find the you right know, one, and it's also the timing. Like it. It's the timing of who's there because yeah. in, because like me, it started off great with the right people, but then some other kids came in who influenced me wrong, yeah. and you can just start doing the bad things. Yeah, it's kind of tricky because you know you've got all the kids together that are having trouble, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they teach each other all the bad stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, yeah. in Nevada, I think I told oh. you, mom. I didn't know about Benadryl yeah, and Corsi until I know, Nevada. I know. <laughs> the hospital that we sent him to in Nevada. Oh, God, it was terrible. Yeah, no, that was probably more traumatizing. Than- yeah. Yeah, so Joyce had some good experiences and some really bad experiences. So yeah. it kind of just depends on who's there, who's, who's there, there as a counselor. And it does depend on the facility. The kids. And- because sometimes the facilities are tainted with bad people, like bad yeah. facilitators. Yeah. There's some that just the the people running it are just they're not in it to help people they're yeah. they're in it for the money, the money. yeah, yeah. Or, or just the status of yeah. like uh, something their ego mm-hmm. well i'm glad you control. got some help there was there um any particular techniques or tools that they gave you there that really helped you or was there a certain person that really helped or like dbt yeah a lot of dbt That's- okay what's dbt Dialectical behavioral therapy. therapy. Yeah. 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 Dialectical, I think. Dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay. What the heck is that? I'm not 100% sure what it is. What does it look like for a kid going through it? For me, I'm pretty sure there's like different variations of it, but mine was in a group setting. That's kind of the best way that I heal Mm -hmm. is in group settings. Mm -hmm. So I would always Instead of going into like a hospital, I'll be like, okay, it's time to go back to group therapy. It's time to, you know, mm. get back and ground myself and start doing wellness things. Is and it the cutoff of my understanding is change the pattern? Yeah. Is that what it's it is? It's very much like, okay, you're in this deep cycle of negativity and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's not ignore it, but let's see how we can change it and look at it from a different way, a different Uh, perspective. That's a really good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. sounds good. And I understand that they use it a lot with kids that uh, struggle with suicidal ideation. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. it's a pattern of, I want to die. Yeah, that negative thinking. The negative thinking, it's a a cycle in your head. Mm -hmm. So like Cheyenne said, it's taking you out of, not to ignore it, but to actually examine it even more than you want to, Mm -hmm. to then gain an understanding to change it. Yeah. Okay, so DBT, and that was done at like, IOPs or at psych hospitals or IOPs, psych hospitals. Um, my school did it at one oh, okay. point. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, school is doing it now okay. a lot more. Oh, good. And IOP is intensive outpatient program. Yeah. So for mine, I would go for two and a half hours, mm. three to four times a week. Oh, okay. That's not so much. That's a lot of groups, mm-hmm. a lot of, they had music therapy where Joey was and yeah. just different modalities. Looking back yeah. at it, that was probably my favorite one. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, I was very I was very willing to work there. Yeah, they liked you there. They're yeah. like, yeah, he's willing. there's a lot of kids that just sit there and do nothing. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. There's this one. She was the most, she was younger than me, but she was like the most anti-everything. Totally like, shut down. No, like if 
she, she did the opposite of what oh uh, like everything yeah, yeah. opposite of what the counselors wanted just to piss them off yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like um antisocial. Yeah, yeah yeah like antisocial. i will do everything in my power to not do what you do just yeah. to prove a point yeah just exactly exactly mm -hmm. yeah that's oppositional uh and that also comes from trauma mm -hmm. they've just figured out okay i'm just gonna do everything opposite. because they've learned or something in that for those type of people they're like i never got what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna let you get what you want. Right. So right, right. But it sounds like Cheyenne, you never had that. And Joey was never like that either. Joey always worked hard. And it sounds like you took advantage of the, the opportunity yeah. to get some healing. For the most part. <laughs> like sure. you know I mean, you're still a teen, but I had my definitely defiant moments mm -hmm. where I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to therapy. I'm never doing therapy mm -hmm. again. Like, but like, then I get out of that and then I'm like I want to go to therapy now. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, okay. No, no, Cheyenne sounds exactly like me. I bet she didn't run away from a rehab and pick LSD, but no, no, not but. quite. I tried to knock down a metal gate. Though. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, the amount of times we tried to elope. Yeah, Joey was an eloper and ran away a lot. That was because it was a pattern of mine. Yeah, very strong flight response, this child. But no, not anymore. Yeah, no, he used to. Uh, he worked that out, I think. Uh, no, I'm really good with it now. But yeah. Remember yeah. when I walked 28 miles? Yes, I do. Yes, he ran away, walked away from our house and walked 28 miles to his dad's house. From Norwalk, like LA County, walked the riverbed all the way to Huntington Beach. Yeah, that would be something I would do if I was like in Inter a dissociative yeah, no, state. The, I yeah. think I was nothing oh, yeah. about it. I was yeah. very out of it because I don't remember that whole yeah. walk. I'm sure. Well, yeah, kids are going to do some some crazy shit sometimes. That <laughs> you just got to try not to. Yeah. Well, yeah. As a parent, if I was a parent and I was doing what I was doing back in the day, I would be just saying I would approach it as in not shame, not anything. I would say there, there's something that's troubling you. Yeah. I'm not going to say you're doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not doing unless you're doing something illegal, but give me a chance now to help you get through this mm -hmm. and nurture. It's all about nurturing and loving. And I, I do understand that that's something I need to work on, too, is the ability to see that all the time because I'm human. Mm -hmm. I, I, I get angry. I get mad. But mm -hmm. my true, true belief is that nurturing and love is the key to healing. Mm hmm. It, yeah. it, 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 healing is not something you can tough love that thing out. That right. Yeah. Just um, shutting people out doesn't help. No. Being like really harsh and punishing, that doesn't help no, people. That gaslighting. That's better. just rude at that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. So who are the people that gave you that support that you needed, Cheyenne? Because you seem really put together now. You have a job. Mm -hmm. You've got a smile on your face. You're, <laughs> you're, you seem like a very upstanding person. How did you get through that childhood? And you're 19 now. Who helped you with that? And, and what, what worked for you? Honestly, I just think my support system, even though it's always constantly changing, <laughs> but like the people who I keep in it mm -hmm. are always the people who I know aren't going to use what I say okay. against me. They're not going to be like, oh, you are like this. So, oh. you know, you're, you know, you're crazy. I don't want to be around you. You know, like people putting in your box. Yeah. So um, I'm going to surround myself with people who want the best for me that mm. don't want me to, you know, go down the same path that my birth parents did. Yeah. So if I have to move out, because that's what I ended up doing, I moved mm. out to kind of better work on myself because, mm. you know, 
I do things like independently. Like if I'm, you know, if I feel like I'm not like mentally there, I'm like, you know, I'm going to take the day and just like maybe meditate or just relax, do things that can, you know, clear my mind and like self healing stuff, not always have this constant worry about, you know, mm. the past or you seem like really self aware. Yeah. That you've knowing your body. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's the thing I've noticed. She's very aware of what's going on. Like, obviously, like sometimes, like, there's everyone does this, like, you kind of blank out for a second, but she's mm-hmm. very into it, like, mm-hmm. in, intuitive of the situation. And then mm-hmm. from learning about what she went through in her past, I see why. I, mm-hmm. I now see why you, you gained a survival tactic. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems, I don't know, I'm sure you might have experimented things, but it doesn't seem like you went the whole addiction route. Did you steer clear of that or are you still working on that? I'm working on it. It's not where I need rehab or anything like that. It's mainly just nicotine Mm -hmm. that is like my main addiction. But besides that, I'll experiment once in a while, which is also very difficult because one, don't experiment with drugs like (laughs) first don't experiment with anything playing with fire right but i experiment and then i end up feeling extremely bad about it like shame after yeah okay yeah because i'm like you know this isn't who i am yeah this is not what i'm supposed to do with my life yeah so i'm like you You saw so much bad stuff from drugs when you were little yeah and i did not nearly to the extent but we had foster kids in our home when I was a kid Mm -hmm. they were older than us and brought drugs into the house and chaos and violence into our house and that's why I'm so squeaky clean I've never done drugs because I'm like I don't want to do that that was horrible you you literally were traumatized yeah like like, why would I want to pick that up that's horrible because you saw what it could do yeah so I've been super goody two-shoes because I don't even want to, I don't even want to give it a try. That's not worth it. So is that, is that kind of how you felt too? It's just like, I know what this would lead to. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's also, I have like this weird way of not necessarily like punishing myself, but if like, for example, I experimented with um, LSD and it didn't go the best way mm-hmm. that, you know, I wanted it to, but I I end up just going to the hospital and just getting myself checked out because I know that I have an addictive personality and if I don't do something that will kind of scare me okay. into not doing it again, I will do it again. So you went and got help right away. Yeah. Said, listen, I need help. And I was just like, you know, I took no LSD last night. I'm not myself. I don't feel good. Basically, I was like, can you guys make sure I'm okay? Yeah. And did they help you or did they treat you like a, an off-the-rails teen? They helped me, but then treated me like an like off-rails teen. So they help because that's the obligation. And then they yeah. have their own egos and they're like, oh, you shouldn't do LSD. Like, yeah. 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 It's, that's why we should come into hospitals and say, like, we'll take over that part. Like, the doctors do the health thing. We come in to do the harm reduction stuff. Yeah. We, we should actually contact someone about yeah, that. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we could talk to uh, medical people because, yeah, we Joey has definitely encountered kind of discrimination or kind of uh, bad attitudes. The last time I went to the um, hospital, uh, the ER mom, the last time. It was when I wasn't home. Yeah, when you were home and then Sonia took me. Mm-hmm. They didn't even put an IV in me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he was super, super dehydrated and they didn't even put him in, on an IV. Because yeah. I told him I had CHS and they're they like, well, oh, we can't treat that. Don't, don't kinda, smoke. Kind of like you deserve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what happens to people that smoke. It was like, bro, so I'm going to die if on your terms just because... I didn't do what you think uh, is right. <laughs> what? And the previous hospital, when we went to the hospital in Minnesota, oh my god, they were so much better, so good, and they they yeah. understood what CHS was. Yeah, and they weren't judgmental. They just gave him the hydration that he needed, and oh yeah, they gave him aromatherapy. They, they, who who would have heard of that from being nauseous? Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. It was quite a difference from the one he got at home. Yeah, the ER uh, that, that's kind of sad that. Yeah, our healthcare is messed yeah. Up. There's uh, there's so much stigma. That's one of the reasons we make this podcast, right, Joy? Mm-hmm. To, uh, to destigmatize de- exactly destigmatize and the stigma sh- shine yeah. shine light to what can come out of the trauma and not in a, like don't go through trauma on purpose. But like, right. if you are traumatized, if you were traumatized, there's a path of healing. Yeah, yeah. Gabor Mate, who's a doctor that works in addiction and trauma, I love him so much. Oh my God, Joy yeah. loves him too. He says, um, not why the addiction, but why the pain? Mm-hmm. What is behind it? It's not that the addicted people are broken or sinful or whatever, or even a disease. It's not a disease. It's a, a response to the trauma you experienced, your mental health issues and your experimentation. Like it's a response to what happened in the past. It was so painful. You're just trying to survive. Yeah. Just trying to survive, literally. So you're 19. Yes. Did you finish high school? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what are you doing now? And what do you hope to do? What's kind of your 10-year plan? Ooh, 10-year plan would probably be go to college. I'm going to college in the fall. So I'm excited about that. Where are you going to go? Going to Golden West for two years, I think. Yeah, community college. I am a huge proponent of community college. I work at one. And I think they're awesome, especially for kids that don't know exactly what they're going to do. It's mm-hmm. a great place. They're very nurturing, small. Really good community. Inexpensive. Yeah. And what are you planning to study? Psychology. Ooh. Oh, yeah. you want to go help other kids? Mm-hmm. Other kids yeah. or other people in general? It's more like adolescence. Oh, okay. You want to work with like my, when I was just like 16, like my big thing was I wanted to be a a psych nurse for an adolescent unit. Oh, that's cool. Did you have someone there that you really liked and want to emulate? Yeah. There were a couple of good ones. There was one that kind of made me want to become. So there was like one really, really good one who made me want to become an RN for a psych unit. And then there was one really, really bad one who also made me want to. Because you're like, I don't want anyone to suffer from that pain. So I'm going to be another one. (laughs) I don't want someone like me to suffer because they're not doing their mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. They don't like working yeah. with a bunch of kids. Yeah. Like, it takes a special person to do that. But Why did you even take that job? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, good. That sounds very exciting. I think Joey, well, he keeps switching around, but sometimes mm-hmm. he wants to go help other kids. Well, I, I wish I could do everything. It's I just know. That, you have so many interests. It's all good. I know. It's, it's just good. that I don't, it out. I don't know which one to land on. <laughs> but I think Joey would really be a great counselor or... Um, rehab counselor or uh, just a regular therapist kind of person or he's looked into brain studying the brain and all sorts of things and i you know i think it's just really admirable that you guys want to take your traumatic experiences flip them around 
and go get the education you need to go help other people. Yeah. And for this generation in this community of people that understand that it's trauma and then that are forward thinking about things like this, our generation, this generation is going to be very solid, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys have got a lot put together that we didn't know about when we were your age. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. this, like I said, this little clique of kids that understand this stuff. Mm -hmm will be the leaders i think mm-hmm. of the uh, psychiatric and the, um health yeah and yeah, emotional yeah, side it is because it's important mm-hmm. and it's a very forward step in mental health that mm-hmm. we're thinking like this mm-hmm. so cheyenne what advice would you have for adoptive parents how can adoptive parents help their kids i would say 99.9 percent of adopted kids have had trauma because just being relinquished is trauma mm-hmm. but you particularly had a lot more trauma what can adoptive parents do to make your life a little better? I think there's two main ones. Listen to what your kid's telling you, mm-hmm. no matter if it's the slightest little detail mm-hmm. about their past or mm-hmm. maybe you think it's irrelevant, but to them, it's a really, really big mm-hmm. thing. And just, you know, listen and kind of put yourself in the kid's shoes and try and like imagine how would you go through it mm-hmm. when you were you know, whatever age mm-hmm. the kid was like, mm-hmm. oh, like they were, you know, seven and they had to go through this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no wonder they're so angry. Like, no yeah. wonder they're so sad. Yeah. Like having okay. some empathy. Empathy. Yeah. Like maybe I shouldn't be screaming at them about their chores at the moment. Like, yeah. you know, maybe that's the least of our worries right now is if they're doing their chores perfectly correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just like make sure that, you know, just make sure that the child is OK mentally, because mm-hmm. more often than not, a lot of adoptive kids have a lot of mental health issues because they're just kind of taught to suppress it Mm -hmm. and don't talk about it. And it comes out somehow, some way, eventually. In in anger a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Anger, suicidal ideation, you know. Depression. A a lot of different ways. Yeah. Definitely patience. (laughs) And I think adoptive parents kind of swoop in and think we're going to be the saviors of things, but I don't know if anyone really warns adoptive parents what a big job this is going to be yeah it's not just raising a kid the regular way it's like deep dive into mental health and finding resources for your kid and Mm -hmm. it's it's a really big responsibility it's like kind of redoing their whole brain their whole setup kind of yeah so it's a lot of healing that needs to happen and so uh, do you have any advice for just Everybody, what have you learned through this whole thing? Is there any sort of global advice you would like to give? Or maybe advice for kids, for teenagers? Don't rely on other people to make you happy. (laughs) That's a good one. Don't rely on other people to make you happy, no matter how hard it is. But I've had my fair share Mm -hmm. of, like, clinging and then... The codependency almost? Yeah. And a lot of times what I've had to learn the hard way is, at the end of the day, you have yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the last person you're always gonna yeah. have. Literally, you can't run away from your mind. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Rely on yourself, not Don't others. Don't rely on other people to give you everything you need and to make you happy. And yeah, I bet um, it would be easy for someone in your shoes to just sort of glom onto somebody mm-hmm. as a partner yeah. or a. That's what uh, like a lot of I think adoptees do. Mm-hmm is rely on others because they didn't ever I see the two ways it's either they rely strictly on themselves because they never trust anyone else mm-hmm. or they want the attachment so bad that they do codependently mm-hmm. use others you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Joey, what do you see in Cheyenne that you admire? I admire her persistence. I don't know if that's the word, but like to work through so much. Mm-hmm. Even today, she works through so much stress and all that. But to be so solid in this moment and talk about her life so calmly and even laugh about some of the mm-hmm. hard things. I admire that so much because it's hard to do that, to look back at your past and talk about it mm-hmm. and just talk, especially on a podcast about that. You mm-hmm. know, I admire that. That, that I do admire mm-hmm. that. Thank Have you, you shared this story very much with other people in the public? No. It was like your first time, right? Yeah. It's Yay. my first time talking about it. Yay. Oh, we're so proud of you. And I think that you're sharing your story will help a lot of other kids yes. and families and maybe just encourage everyone to have a little more empathy for everyone. Yeah, you know, yeah. We don't know. I mean, if I saw you, you know, Cheyenne works at Blaze Pizza. If I went to Blaze Pizza and she was helping me, I would never in a million years guess all the stuff that you've had to deal with in your life. No, because no one knows. No, no. Yeah. no one has a, the feeling to ask, hey, how, are you okay? Yeah, mm-hmm. You don't have it labeled on your forehead or anything. No. Yeah. So just let's everyone give everybody a little bit of grace. Some grace. Yeah. And yeah. everybody's just working through so much pain. And, you know, we just never know what people are dealing with. So everybody gets extra grace yes yeah yeah and extra care and and Cheyenne I want to be here for you however I can help you and you know you're Joy's friend and I just admire you so much and so however we can help just let us know yeah and thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah of course well listeners I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Cheyenne and Joey and please share it with anyone you think that might be helped with it maybe adoptive families foster families other teenagers, whatever. Uh, We want these conversations to help a lot of other people. So help us spread the word. You can find us on social media and on YouTube. And we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash safe home. If you're motivated to help the podcast out so we can maintain commercial free episodes, you can donate five, 10 or $25 a month and every little bit helps. So thank you very much to our Patreon supporters and to any of you who are interested, please check that out. And one of the way you can help the podcast is by going to Apple Podcasts, even if that's not how you listen to us, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. A five-star review would be the best. And it really helps to bring other people to the podcast that we don't even know. So help us get the word out to other people so people can be healed and learn new things and be inspired by people like Cheyenne and Joey. I think that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks again for coming to talk to us, Cheyenne. I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. And Joey, Cheyenne, and I want you to stay stay safe. safe.